0: In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, Amen. Let me first start off by introducing myself. I am Father John. I am Father Phillips' older brother. He's my taller brother, though. <laughs> my family and I are here visiting from Eagle River, Alaska. We are very thankful to be here. It's wonderful to be in your community. In your parish, our parish in Eagle River is St. John the Theologian as well. It was a joy to hear the same Troparion that we sing at home here, here, here sung in, in Memphis, Tennessee. I wanted to begin today by telling a story. Maybe a good story but a story of my travels from about a month ago to my Uncle Phil's funeral in Lincoln, Illinois. My relatives in Alaska, my wife's uh, sister and brother-in-law, they work for Alaska Airlines. They were gracious enough to give me some, companion, some uh, standby tickets non-rev tickets they called them so, so I could get down to to the funeral as funerals are it's very last minute and to travel from Alaska is a very expensive thing to do especially at the last minute but thank God they gave me those non-rev tickets and I said a little prayer and said lord if it is your will that I be there then we'll get there so my plan my hope was to get on the non-stop flight from Anchorage to Chicago. That way I could rent a car, drive down to Lincoln three hours from there, spend some time with my family, be there for the visitation in the evening and the funeral on Friday, and then turn around and do it again, non-revs back, head up to Alaska that, that weekend. So I showed up to the airport at about 10 o'clock at night, hoping to get on that non-stop flight. When I got there, I was about fifth or sixth on the standby list. But on the board, they also have a number that says how many people have checked in, how many people have bought tickets. And unfortunately, the number said, checked in, 162, Flight total, 162. So I knew after that, okay, there's lots of flights from Anchorage to Seattle. If I can only get to Seattle, then from Seattle, because Seattle is Alaska Airlines' hub, I'll have lots of opportunities to get from Seattle to Chicago. So the next flight to to Seattle was in about an hour. I was on the standby list for, for that. That flight came and went without me. An hour and a half later was the next one. That flight came and went without me. This happened three more times. The next flight came and went without me. Finally, at about 5.30 in the morning, I was able to get onto a flight to Seattle. Seattle. Now mentally, at this point, I was already doing some math. It was okay. It's about a a three-and-a-half-hour flight to Seattle. I know there's a flight leaving Seattle to Chicago at about 7. There's another one at noon. There's another one really, really late at 6. I really got to get there. So I'm on that flight at 5. I get to Seattle about 8.30. I wait around in the airport for a few hours. Again, time comes for not the first flight out of Seattle that I had already missed, but the second one there at noon. And I said, said to myself many times, Lord have mercy, Lord have mercy, Lord have mercy. I was about tenth on the list there, but the numbers were a little bit more in my favor. It wasn't a guarantee, but it was at least better than being tenth and knowing that there was only one one seat available. So the time came closer, about 11:30 or so, and the gate was pretty empty. There was me and one uh, other lady standing there. And I didn't know for sure, but I could kind of tell because I'd been doing this for about the last 12 hours or so that she was on standby too. So the flight came People boarded. They started calling calling some, some, other, some names on the list. One after the other, they called them, and no one answered. So I kept saying, oh, Lord, have mercy. If I could get on this one, please, God, let me get on, let, let me get on to this one. They kept calling. I moved up the list, moved up the list, moved up the list. Finally, it was down to this other lady and me. They called her name. She got on the plane, and then the plane left. As you can imagine, being having been awake for about twenty-four hours or more—more than twenty-four hours at that point—I was pretty devastated. I again started doing the math. Okay, plane doesn't take next flight doesn't take off till about six. We lose three hours heading to Chicago from Seattle. I'm not going to get into O'Hare until about midnight. I still have about a three-hour drive ahead of me at that point. Is it really even worth it to go? Should I just get on another plane and head back up to Anchorage? Call it good. I called my wife. actually called Father Philip as well, who was already there in Lincoln with the rest of my family. And he mentioned that my my aunt and my two cousins would not be leaving for Lincoln until the next morning. Still, I was pretty heartbroken, pretty remorseful, thinking to myself, "All right, I wasn't on that flight. Maybe God really doesn't want me to go. But, I decided to go ahead and go through with it. Okay. I'll at least wait until the 6 o'clock. If I don't make it onto the 6 o'clock... Then I'll turn around and go. So I waited in the airport there, hanging out, trying to bide my time, read some newspapers, all that sort of stuff. Finally, the 6 o'clock flight came, and there were seats. Thank God I was able to get on. I got on the flight. I did get to O'Hare about midnight. Finally got my rental car about 1230 Rather than driving to Lincoln, I went to Northwest Indiana to where my my aunt lived, about an hour away. So, So I got four or five hours of sleep before everyone woke up in the morning the next day. By being able to go to Northwest Indiana, that meant I was able to spend a little bit of extra time with my aunt and my cousins, who I also hadn't seen in quite a while. I was able to spend some time with them, talk with them, visit with them, see my Uncle Paul, who is also there, there in Indiana. And it was a wonderful, wonderful thing. It was almost like God had a plan for me. Like I said, my plan was to get on that nonstop flight from Chicago, from, from Anchorage to Chicago, get there, be there, not worry about it. But God had something else in mind. Now you may be wondering by now what the heck this has to do with the gospel. I'll connect the dots here shortly. (laughs) The gospel today is the widow of Nain. Christ is journeying into the city, and as he is coming out with a large crowd, there is another crowd coming out of the city. It is a funeral procession. A mother has lost her son. Christ has compassion on this widow, perhaps thinking of his own mother, who will lose her son. He has compassion, lays his hand on the bier, and the man rises from the dead. How absolutely incredible would that be to be there. How scary and frightening would that be to be there and just have had this funeral and the man rise up from, from his bed. But the people that saw that miracle, they said two things. They said, a prophet has risen among us. And two, this is where I tie them together, God has visited his people. God has visited His people. In today's world, we don't have those miracles of Christ coming, placing His hand on a beer and someone rising from the dead. But those miracles, and I am calling it a miracle, of me getting to the funeral, enduring the suffering of waiting in the airport. The grace that God gave me, the blessing that God gave me to spend extra time with my aunt and my two cousins. That in itself is proof that God has visited His people. We can look throughout our life, look back and see these big things, which are proof to us that God has visited us. The prayer that I prayed to myself when I was deciding whether or not to move to Alaska. The answer, the calmness that came over me when I decided that's where God wanted me to be. When I married my wife. When my kids were born. The peace that came over me when I agreed to be ordained to the diaconate and to the priesthood. Those are my own proofs that God has visited His people. And we all have those examples. Not always big ones. Not always, not always huge things that are just hitting us directly in the face. But if we look hard enough, we know and we can see that God is even today visiting His people That parking spot that we get at the grocery store and we're in a hurry. God is visiting His people. That chance encounter with someone that maybe gives us a job or allows us to speak about Christ to them. God is visiting His people. Or even just this week. The pickleball club changed their day from Thursday to Saturday, and I was able to play. Thank God! God is visiting his people. All of these things, if we allow ourselves to see them, if we allow ourselves to see God working in our life, they give us hope. They give us strength for those hard times, those times which will be difficult, those times of suffering. When we can see God has acted in our life, it gives us hope that even in those tough times, God is working with us. He is visiting with us. Because the truth is, it is not only in those moments that God is visiting with us. God is always with us. In the good times. In the bad times. In the small, tiny moments where we don't even think about it, God is always with us. And in those instances, if we can remember ourselves, it is no longer God has visited His people. It is for us to remember that God is visiting His people always and forever. Glory to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit. Amen.